This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, Nick Loper here from the Side Hustle Show. When I'm not helping people earn money outside of their day job, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and Joe's mom is on a tear. You just missed it, man. This place is a complete pit, and she went on an epic rant. I mean, OG never picks up his socks. Joe with those Bavarian pretzels. Dude, get over it. That trip ended like a year ago. So it's time for us to call in some great help. And today, we welcome organizational expert Tracy McCubbin. Plus, in headlines, retirees are losing millions by claiming Social Security at the wrong time. When should you claim your benefit? We'll share that. Plus, throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky listener and still leave time for my completely well-organized trivia. And now, two guys who really need to pay attention to today's guest. Seriously, guys, what's with the Kit Kat wrappers all over the place? It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. We'll clean it up later. We'll get around to it. Well, you can. You see that that crazy thing about round to it? You know, about someday I'll get around to it. Like, what does a round to it cost? You know, not a square to it, but a round to it. Oh. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dad Jokes for the Win so podcast. Bad. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And this is Wednesday. And this is Monday on the Stacky Benjamin Show. It's bad when you think it's Wednesday. And it's, uh, yeah, the week's just beginning. It's and hard I'm, to keep them all straight. I'm apparently hoping it's half over, dude. They all end in days. It's impossible to put them in the right order. How can you even keep up? I know. You know, I wonder if on Skillshare they have a class for like just keeping up with what the days are because they have everything else there. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare with this special offer. Get this, OG. Two months. Unlimited access, over 27,000 classes on Skillshare for free, my favorite F word, to sign up, head to Skillshare.com forward slash SB. Also, today's show brought to you by Magnify Money. You know that uh, brick and mortar bank you use, probably not best in class when it comes to those financial products you use every day. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. And not only will you find better checking accounts, savings accounts, you can also pay less interest to the man. Or if you pay off your credit cards in full, you can also play the reward point game. Cha-ching. We just saved people a bunch of money and we taught them a bunch of stuff. You got some learnings to do. We haven't even started yet and it's already rocking here in the basement. We got Tracy McCubbin here today, but first we got some headlines. So let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline today comes to us from Investment News. This is written by Mary Beth Franklin. You know those people that you talk about having on the show and no idea why it doesn't happen, but Mary Beth hopefully going to be on the show at some point. But uh, Mary Beth writes, retirees lose. I'm going to put a blank here. Blank them out by claiming Social Security too early. How much money do you think retirees lose by claiming Social Security too early? In total or the average? Well, we could do both oh. or either. I've got both numbers. Both either or neither. I um, came prepared. All right. I think when I do the financial plans and we run the projections, I think the difference ends up being a couple hundred thousand for a couple. So 100,000 a person? 111,000 yeah. per household. Oh, per household. Okay. It, it's, it's on average. 
retirees collectively lose $3.4 trillion with a T by claiming Social Security too early. Well, they're doing their part to keep Social Security solvent. You don't want to run it out too fast, just in case. I'm going to just throw a little back. Just going to just hold some back. For Make me. sure everybody's taken care of here. It's not all about me. That's right. Mary Beth writes, despite all the talk about the value of maximizing Social Security benefits, seems very few retirees are listening. The fact that only 4% of retirees wait until age 70 to claim their maximum retirement benefits is not news. What is newsworthy, however, is how much those early claiming decisions are costing retirees in terms of potential retirement income and overall wealth. Social Security pays over $1 trillion in benefits to more than 65 million people every year or about nine out of every 10 retirees. It accounts for about one third of all retirement income each year. I want to back up and read that again slower because I don't want to gloss over that. It accounts for about one third of all retirement income. Sounds like you should make sure you maximize that third. A lot of people not doing some very much saving though. I mean, if that's, if that's a third of the income that's out there, might not be saving enough money. It's not terrible. I mean, the average... Family Social Security benefit would be what, twenty five hundred bucks, three grand maybe. If that was a third, well, that's true. That ain't bad. Yeah, no, you're right. If you're living on nine a month, that's that's not a bad place to be. About fifty percent of current retirees report that more than half their annual income comes from Social Security. That's tough. While a third report that more than ninety percent of their income comes to these benefits. That- now, now we're getting in the category of. Oh, Should have saved more, but that those numbers kind of show that there's really not a middle ground, is there? People are either saving way, way, way a lot, or they're not saving at all. Well, and the, and the point of this whole thing is about making sure that you maximize the benefits, and people even know how to do it now. It used to be, you know, ten years ago, I could do a webinar on social security maximization things, and it would be packed, and people are like, "I've never heard of." these unique filing strategies and they got rid of some of them, you know, some different tax laws along the way. But, but now even people know that like, Oh yeah, I know you're supposed to wait. Well, when are you going to claim at 70 right now? I'm going to do mine at 64 wait and stuff for them people, not me. Well, there's a crossover point where it makes sense. I mean, first of all, you got to know you're going to live a long time. Well, that's a trade-off. I mean, nobody knows if you're going to get hit by a bus tomorrow or not, but Chances are pretty good not. So I think you have to err on that side of it. I think you have to recognize that life expectancy is increasing for most people. It's we look at it through the through the views of like our parents and grandparents and say, well, you know, grandma kicked the bucket at eighty two, so I must be destined to be hit by the bus at eighty three or something. But half of grandma's classmates had polio. You know, I mean, like that that doesn't exist anymore. Well, mostly so. I think you have to recognize that it's important to be optimistic, realistic also. Maybe you do half and half. You do one of the spouses and a couple claims later, a little bit earlier on the other one. Then It's always a gamble. What's the upside to claiming it later? Because you and I, you know, we're talking about later equals better. Yeah. But there, there's probably a large percentage of people listening that have no idea why, why later would be better. There's a couple of different components to it. So depending on when you were born, everybody has a full retirement age as per the Social Security Administration. So after 1960, your full retirement age is 67. For 1960 back to, I think, 54, it decreases at two-month intervals in different blocks. So it's like your full retirement age because you're an old guy might be... Hey. Oh. Sitting right here, dude. Still 67. But... uh, you know, it's like you can look. Yours might be sixty-five and you know ten months or something like that, and that's the date at which you get the number that's shown on your statement. So when you look in your statement, and you can just look these up on SSA.gov. You have to create an account, and they require really stupid password combinations, so you'll forget it and have to reset it. But uh, just know this from experience: <laughs> like a really stupid user, it'll be nothing. You'll ever you'll go back to it in two years from now. And go, this can't be me. <laughs> I would never use this either. There's no way I was Harry Monkey 467. Exactly. Oh, yes, I was. Yes, I am, as a matter of fact. But anyway, so you get that full amount that's listed on the statement. Anything before that, all the way back to age 62, you get a pretty severe reduction for. But we're talking about how to benefit it moving forward. For every year you wait, you get a guaranteed 8% increase plus whatever the cost of living is for that year. So in some years, it's low. This year, it was 2% or something like that. 
And the way that I think about it is this. You've got two buckets of money. You've got your investment portfolio and you've got this social security portfolio. One bucket might grow at 8 to 10% a year, right? That's your investment portfolio. Another bucket will grow at 8 to 10% a year for the next three years. If you could get a guaranteed 8% return, even if there's no inflation, wouldn't you rather take that? I mean, it's only three years anyway for most people that are trending toward retirement now. Like anybody past 1960, it's going to be three years worth of that. They're called delayed retirement credits. But um, I think you have to do the trade-off. Here's where people get in trouble with this, by the way. They look at it and say, all right, I'm going to defer Social Security. I'm going to live on a little bit extra out of my portfolio until Social Security kicks in. So maybe I planned on Social Security being $2,500 a month. I'm going to take $2,500 a month out of my investment accounts. Boom, there's my five grand to live on. All's right in the world. But I want to delay Social Security. So I need to take $5,000 a month out of my investment accounts now, recognizing that that's too much and that in three years from now, I'll dial that back. But here's what people do. They do the $5,000. Then they file for Social Security and go, this is way better. Now I have $7,500 to live on. And don't commensurately decrease that withdrawal from the investment portfolio. That's where you can get into trouble with this. Yeah. It is, uh, it's something that I think you, you should probably look into more than a day before you are ready to. Well, here's the other thing to think about too. If any of these other situations apply to you, if you're ever married before, and if you're not presently married now, if you were widowed at any point in time, that has an impact. And the other piece with Social Security is every so often, you just have to get your statement and review it. Believe it or not, I know this is going to come as a complete shock to most people. The government is not infallible. What? They do on occasion make slight data entry errors sometimes. You should have said hashtag spoiler before that. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, it's not surprising to find your Social Security statement lacking the data, the correct data, that is. And so your benefit is based on your highest 35 years worth of earnings. You might want to get those make sure those numbers are right. Our second headline comes to us from MarketWatch. I've got a new side gig for you and I. Great. I already have four of them. <laughs> no, no, this is a good one. Listen to this. All of them uh, so far. Uh, Jeanette Setembre wrote this piece. These apps charge money for the privilege of saving money. So here's what we do. We're going to charge you a bunch of money so that you can save some money. All right, I'm on board. So we have to uh, create an app and then we are going to collect money. Charge a bunch of money. Yeah. Let people save into my left pocket. Okay. And then uh, if you get four of your friends to save, you'll get a good. No, I'm, I, <laughs> I don't know about that. Let's read this. Jeanette writes, play to save. That's the name of the game for some people looking for easy incentives to stash away a little extra cash without thinking twice about it. Before Mike Pearson, 37, and his wife planned a trip to the Bahamas last year, they downloaded a savings game app that let them set it and forget it. We wanted to set a savings goal to help pay for the trip, and we thought it'd be a good way to force ourselves to save up. Pearson, founder of the personal finance website Credit Takeoff, told MarketWatch. He downloaded a personal finance app called Capital with a Q, Q-A-P-I-T-A-L, of course. which links to a, because why not, which links to a user's checking account and lets them set savings goals like a rainy day fund, spa weekend, or concert, or student loan payment. The app has customizable rules. Pearson chose one that rounded up his transaction to the next dollar and put the difference in his savings account. When he made a purchase for $9.60, the app then deposited 40 cents into his savings account. He was able to create a joint goal so his wife could also contribute to their savings plan. Pearson estimates he and his wife save three to $4 a day for a year. Doesn't sound like much, but that's about a hundred dollars a month or $1,200 a year. Pearson said he saved up $500. She saved 700 together. Their savings paid for plane tickets and part of the hotel in the Bahamas. Here's kind of the key here though. When Pearson used the app, it was free, but capital now offers a free 30 day trial followed by a fee of three to $12 a month, depending on the service people use. I want to talk about two things here. Number one, this idea of gamification is a real thing. Turning savings into a game. Mm -hmm. You and I both know that when you started people on a savings plan, you watch them at first struggle with it, but man, in their head, if they could change that into a game and went, let's see how much we can do. Let's see how far we can take this. It went from this onerous thing to this really fun, exciting thing. And people that had never saved a dollar their whole life were off and running. 
Well, it's just like why charities will have the little thermometer that you've got to fill up or something like that. It's just a just a way to see your progress. It's a way to make it a little bit more exciting than, ho-hum, I'm putting $500 a month in my Roth. Yeah, if you have trouble saving, man, gamify it. But to create some type of a some type of a way to make it sticky. The second thing here, this guy Brad's not wrong. Hiding money from yourself, even through these little roundups, these little amounts of money, they can contribute tons of money to your future. Mrs. OG is really good at hiding money from me. So she must have a ton saved up. You're gonna be that family that you hear about in the news where you're 70, I highly doubt this. 75 years old and you find out that that Mrs. OG's been stashing away money whole life, hiding it from you. I don't think that's true. She's got a treasure chest in the backyard. Like a mason jar. So full of quarters. Just stacked with uh with with quarters. What do you think about a fee of three to twelve dollars a month? That they saved twelve hundred dollars they wouldn't have saved. Would you pay so if it's a his and her thing, he pays three dollars, she pays it six dollars. Would you pay six dollars to save twelve hundred bucks? Well, here's the thing. I wouldn't pay that to save that, but for the service associated with this product, maybe. I mean, it's it's just relative to what you value that at. I mean, this company created this tool, right? And the people who work there need to make money and they have to have computers and internet and whatever else. So companies have to make money in order to continue to produce greater products and services. So I would separate it from the perspective of I'm not paying $3 to save my money. I'm paying $3 for this tool that does this for me. It rounds the things up so I don't have to go into my bank account every day and say, oh, this transaction was... I should transfer 40 cents to my bank account or to my savings or whatever. But I remember this with a potential financial planning client. Like in a first meeting with this gentleman, he, I show him, I don't know anything about him. I'm just quizzing him about things about his life. And he's telling me, first of all, he tells me his goals. And then we talk about where his stuff is. And I remember he had money leaking out all over the place. And so at the end of the meeting, I told him all these dollars that he would save a month. And it was seriously big money. It was maybe, it was maybe eight or $900 a month. This guy had falling through the cracks. And then I told him my fee and I told him that I haven't even really begun to dig, right? I haven't looked at everything. I just asked him some random questions at a meeting and I already found eight or 900 bucks. Mm -hmm. He was not impressed. And he went, Oh, that sounds like a lot of money. And I said, really $900 a month. And I haven't even started. And he just couldn't get around the fact that he was going to pay money to, to make money. money. Yeah, now, to make it. now, hopefully he took that. He took what, what we talked about and he went and did it. I can tell you maybe not from experience that rarely happened. Yeah. You could point it out all day long. People go, Oh yeah. That, ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm -hmm. Wish I could. And then go home and do nothing. But the frustration I have sometimes is people go, Oh, $3 to save 1200 bucks. Mm. I don't know if I need that tool. Well, it's just like the, it just goes down in the same category as, you know, what's better, a 0.15% mutual fund or a 0.12% mutual fund. It's like, yeah, who gives a crap? Uh, they go through a few more apps here. Santa Clara based uh, Logan Alec, founder of the blog Money Done Right, says he stashed away between $100 and $120 a month using an app called Long Game. They make money by charging banks at partners with a referral fee. That's actually a free app. Another game, Smarty Pig, provides virtual piggy banks. The savings account collects up to 1.8% APY, and users grow funds for personalized goals like emergency funds or graduation parties. One called Tibbets helps kids crowdfund money for college. <laughs> Sorry. You don't want to crowdfund your kids' college? I would love to. I just don't want to crowdfund other people's kids for college. <laughs> Students can create a gamer profile. It costs $10 for annual registration, similar to a GoFundMe page detailing college goals. They play educational computer games. and After completing them, friends and family are invoiced to donate. How would you like to play a game and then get invoiced? I kicked your butt at Monopoly. You owe me 50 bucks. Bam. There it is. The app also charges a premium $7.99 for players to get access on multiple platforms like Apple iPhones, tablets, or laptops. 
other games offer lottery-style gambling, Earn, a San Francisco-based nonprofit aimed at helping low-income people manage their finances, is expanding. This doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. Talking about gambling and, oh, we help low-income families. Yeah, the exact people who shouldn't. Okay. Is expanding the reach of its incentivized savings game by partnering with a credit union. The uh, California Lottery, where all your dreams come true. But you know what? Seriously, if you're in a low-income family and you're used to hearing about maybe people around you that that gamble, mm-hmm. maybe saying, hey, gamble. this." I, I remember talking to somebody, I'm not going to get the name of the app right, but was talking about how, you know, if you use certain language with different people, well, Tara Jackson on the show last week, you know, people's language. Maybe that helps. I don't know. Some of these companies, maybe we should get on the uh, Friday FinTech segment so that we learn more about these. But paying money to make money. You're paying money for the service. I'll tell you some service you don't pay money for, OG, and that's magnifymoney.com. When you head to Magnify Money, you know what you'll find? That those things that are in banks, those things that be in banks, let me get my- We be in bank. We, we, we be things in banks are not best in class. Magnified Money has over 92% of all the things available online right there at your fingertips. So whether it's higher interest uh, savings account, a better checking account, student loan consolidation plans, credit card consolidation, 0% credit cards, all of that, plus a fantastic blog headed up by Mandy Woodruff from Brown Ambition, also from uh, Yahoo Finance, Mandy and Company detail the positives and negatives of stuff that comes out every day all that and more at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money makes it super easy to compare ditch switch and save why will people drive og five miles to save a dime on gas and yet uh, every day people are like hey what do you think about this uh 1.8 percent savings account when you can just go online for free and look it up and you save much more than a dime stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. I think our takeaway here, I think we've got two of them. Number one is social security. Do the math, OG. Do the math at a time. Look up your statement and uh, hope you get a user ID that actually makes sense. I think you get to create it, but I remember there being some really weird rules around it. Duran Duran fan 967. That would never be me. Second, gamifying your finances. Yes. Absolutely. The more you turn it into a game, the more likely it is you're going to save. Tracy McCubbin is upstairs talking to mom. She is an organizational expert. What I love about Tracy OG is that she realizes more than anybody It's not about the stuff around your house. Her goal is not to help people clean up the nooks and crannies of their house and their financial life. Her goal is to get this emotional baggage, which is really what all this stuff represents. Big time emotional baggage to get that all out in the open. And I think especially when it comes to your financial life, cleanliness, as mom says, what is that? Is close to godliness? Next to next to godliness yeah uh so coming down to the basement so happy she's here with us our good friend tracy mccubbin and coming down the stairs to the basement it's our new friend tracy mccubbin how are you i'm great how are you today well i'm fantastic now that you're here because as you can see tracy we've got some clutter (laughs) in the basement. So we need your help. Excellent. And just so you feel better, you're not alone. I was telling somebody last night that we as a country, we're in the middle of a clutter epidemic, a clutter crisis. We are drowning in stuff. People who feel shame about their clutter or don't understand, they need to know that they are not the only ones. And I want to get to all that. But first, I want to ask you kind of a personal question, Tracy. Usually I don't ask this question, (laughs) but you have a very simple dedication in your book that's to your grandma. Tell me about the relationship between you and your grandmother. My grandmother was a huge part of my life. She was a teeny tiny little Scottish woman. And when I was growing up, I spent a lot of time with her. And she was a child of the Depression, an immigrant from Scotland, 
a Central California farm girl. And so much of what I learned came from her, including um, how to drive a stick shift and how to make olives and how to keep a neat house, the benefits of being organized. So when I look back on what formed me as a human, including my sense of humor, I really owe a lot to her. So I was so moved to be able to dedicate this book to her. What specifically has resonated enough that is still with you today from her? You know, it's in the dedication and it sticks with me every day. Don't put it down, put it away. Is she the main driving force or were there other forces in your family as you were growing up? Why did you get into decluttering? I'm the child of a hoarder. My father is an extreme hoarder. I had other family members that were also hoarders. Um, They are discovering that the hoarding disorder is quite possibly genetic. So when I trace it back, I, there was a great uncle, there was a grandfather, you know, there were other people. So I have spent my life watching someone I care and love struggle with their relationship to their stuff. So, you know, when I started working with clients, I had this empathy and You know, somebody said to me recently, wow, you took your deepest psychic wound and turned it into a business. So, you know, it's given me a real insight into how complicated our relationship to our stuff is. I read somewhere, though, that you call yourself obsessive, compulsive, delightful. Does, is, is that, I mean, I like the delightful on the end of that, though. But obsessive, compulsive, that's part of a hoarding. I mean, did you just get the maybe opposite side of that? Yeah, I, I definitely have OCD. It's a pretty mild form of it. And I have done quite a bit of cognitive behavior therapy around it to fix it. I am a go back and check the doors to make sure they're locked, to make sure the oven's off three, four, five, six times. So I've done a lot of personal work to move through it. Um, One of the things that they're finding, Joe, is that OCD and hoarding disorder are separate. They often can go hand in hand, but they don't necessarily live together. But I definitely got, I need everything in the right place. I need, you know, I need that sense to feel good. So I have embraced it and not fought against it and helped you know, create a very successful business with it. Well, as you know, there's lots of people fighting it. And as you mentioned, just after you walked down the stairs, that this is, this is an epidemic. I mean, we've got clutter all over the place. What are the reasons for that? It's a combination. It's a combination of cheap consumer goods. You know, stuff has never been cheaper to buy. And also stuff's never been easier to buy. You can shop without, you know, I always joke, it's like you can shop without putting your pants on, you know, between Amazon and all those discount sites, you can even get your groceries. And what people don't realize is that that online shopping is a big dopamine hit. You know, you fill your cart up, you, you hit pay, you're not feeling the exchange of the money. It's a credit card that's been put in months ago. So we're not even aware of how much we're consuming. And then it just shows up. So there's absolutely outside forces, I believe, conspiring to just fill our lives with too much stuff and stuff we don't need. Well, and it's funny because, and you mentioned this in the book, that we buy this stuff to be happier, Tracy, and yet that we buy all this (laughs) crap and it makes us miserable. Here's the thing that we're all missing We have been sold a bill of goods that we think it's about the stuff and the stuff is what's going to make us happy. For example, I tell people, think about when you travel, right? You you go off. I know you just went on a trip and you throw a few things in a bag and you take a suitcase and you're gone for a week or two and you don't think about anything else. You don't miss anything at home. You don't think like, I wish I had that mushroom scrubber or where's my Instapot on this trip? It's not about the stuff. The stuff comes to us with no meaning and we dump all this meaning on top of it. And we think it's going to fulfill us. And it's not. It's about the relationships in our lives. You know, I just read something really interesting. It was a a palliative care nurse who'd spent her whole career working with people as they were passing. I think it was the five things everybody said, and not one person said, I wish I had more stuff. Mm, that's funny. I mean, and not, not funny, haha, funny. And what a, what a remarkable thing. Cause we often think as we're at the mall and the mall's always crowded, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone's searching, right? Everyone's, this is going to be the thing. 
it's funny. People always think that because I wrote this book and I've been a professional declutterer that, you know, I'm so kind of perfect in my relationship to stuff. And I was saying to somebody the other day, I got on the scale and I didn't like the number that I saw. And I was like, you know what I need? I need a book to tell me how to eat clean. That's what I need. A clean cooking cookbook. Okay. I have the Gwyneth cookbook. I got the Kelly, like I got all the cookbooks. I don't need another cookbook to tell me how to eat clean. I need to put down the cookie and I need to pick up the carrot. (laughs) I was thinking about that, about working out the other day. I'm like, you know what I need? I need a new book that'll show me, you know, like a great weightlifting regime. And I'm like, you could, I think I have four of them. I I already. You're like, I could actually put those books on the end of the barbell and lift those. (laughs) Well, that's one of the things that you talk about that I find interesting. And actually, I think the, the the basis of a lot of what you do is around these ideas of clutter blocks. Explain clutter box to everybody. This is the thing I'm the most excited about this book. So having been a professional declutterer for 12 years and having worked with thousands and thousands of clients, I kept seeing this commonality. I kept saying, seeing that people wanted to get rid of their stuff, but they couldn't. They were literally blocked. It was like something kept coming up. And I realized over time that they had, we all have emotional blocks to letting go of our stuff. And there's seven of them and we all share them. They come in and out. Sometimes we have more than one. Sometimes we have, you know, all of them. It's a commonality that we all share and they range from everything to what I call clutter block. Number one, my stuff keeps me stuck in the past. These are things that we hold on to because they remind us of times gone by, you know, maybe, you know, our sports trophies or clothes we used to be able to fit into. And what that stuff does is it reminds us, it makes us think that our best days are behind us. And then they go on to Clutter block number four, what I call my fantasy stuff for my fantasy life. You know, these are the things that we buy that we think like, I'm going to become a runner. So let me buy, I'm going to become a a ultra marathoner. And so we buy all the gear to be an ultra marathoner. And we take two steps and we're like, I don't like to run. Yeah. Like this this aspirational (laughs) stuff. If I buy it, well, we were just talking about this. If I buy it, I'll do it. Exactly. Exactly. So the book is fantastic because I lay out all seven of the blocks and give the reader a chance to realize it, find where it exists in their own life. And then I give them bridges to work through it. And then very, very concrete plans to actually conquer the clutter. And it works. We don't have time to go through all of them, but I thought we'd walk through one of them so people can grab onto this and understand what they're talking about. And let's, let's look at clutter block. Number one, you say the clues for clutter block. Number one, which is my stuff keeps me in the past, large amounts of children's artwork, but no more children. Like my kids, my kids just turned 24 and, uh, and uh, luckily I don't think I have that one, but a lot of people I know do you walk into a house and it's all about, you know, their kids picture their kids at 12 years old. And it's even deeper than that. It's the, you know, stacks of like, I call the famous turkey hands, you know, the outline of a hand that the kid made. And you're like, okay, maybe one, but you don't need one for every year. You know, it's the participation trophies. It's the things that at the time were important in their development. But as they get old, look, and here's the thing. Most of the time, the kids don't want it. They're like, I don't even remember playing in that game. Like, let it go. Somebody said, and I thought this was such a great thing. I have all this stuff. When I see it, it makes me think about what I've already done. But when I see a clear space, I feel like I'm waiting for my future. Oh. I'm And look, there are some memories that we want to keep. Of course, I'm not telling you to throw everything away. But if that stuff, that sentimental, oh, it used to be, is holding you back and clogging up your life, that's the block. That's the block in action. That's when you need to look at letting it go. So right here in the basement, I have a couple old trophies from when we played softball like 12 years ago, like literally right around the corner. <laughs> what do I do with that? Do I throw it away? Or if they're my kids' stuff, if it's my kids' stuff, do I hand it to my kids and let them decide if they throw it away or not? Yep. So if you have adult children, and I think you can even start this in the teenage years, it's up to the kids. It's their stuff. They need to be responsible and decide. And by the way, 
they don't get to say, oh, you have a big house, you know, leave it in grandma's basement. <laughs> She's got room. If you're an adult and you want it, you're responsible for it. And here's what I'd say about your softball trophies. When you look at them, do you go like, that was great. And you replay the game in your mind. You're like, that was fun, but I'd rather be playing softball again. I think of one funny story that I probably don't need the trophy to tell. Right. Cause you're not going to forget the story, right? I'm not going to forget that story. It was, <laughs> we were an awful softball team that won one game the entire season. It just happened to be the one that got us into the playoff game. And when we won that game, that ensured that we were good enough to get a trophy. <laughs> and you know, here's a great, I talk a lot about in the book about what I call conscious donating, donating things, not just throwing them in the landfill or just not dropping them off at one place and leaving for a nonprofit to sort through. And what a lot of people don't know with trophies is that there are quite a few organizations. And I think in LA it's, um, I think it's the Braille Institute, but a lot of organizations that work with sort of disabled athletes or you know, they'll collect old trophies and pull the the little plate off and reuse them. I saw that when it's funny because you just jogged my memory. I saw that when I was in Texas, there was an organization in Houston that did that. That was so cool to see. And I've got so many participation trophies from 5Ks. And frankly, even when I sign up for a 5K now, Tracy, I just tell them, I look at the t-shirt. I realize at a time I'm probably not going to wear that. And I just go, you know what? Keep the money. I don't need a t-shirt either, you know, donate the t-shirt or don't make one for me. I try to even put that on my, on my entry form, no t-shirt. I know it's fantastic, right? Like that's the other thing. And I talk about this in the book. It's not only breaking through the clutter, but it's looking at our habits of bringing stuff in, you know, just because it's free doesn't mean you want it. Yeah. Right. right? right. <laughs> you right. don't have to take it. No, you go to these conferences, you get all this free stuff. You come home, you throw it in the trash. Uh, exactly. You also have down here then outdated clothes that no longer fit the time or, or the person. But you know, Tracy, everybody tells you this fashion's going to come back. It's going to come. Those bell bottoms are going to come back. And what I like to say is uh, if you wore it the first time around, you probably shouldn't wear it the second time around. <laughs> you know, I here's one of the things I tell people about clothes. If you saw that item hanging in a store today, would you buy it again? Yeah. Chances are no, probably not, you know, so it's a reminder of a bygone time. Um, and I think, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather you're looking forward and I can guarantee there's probably a photo somewhere of you in those bell bottom pants. Sure, well, we keep that way hidden. But the, <laughs> the, uh, all the dishes to host a holiday. They don't, they don't host anymore. So is that like for holiday parties that you just no longer host? Yeah, this is for, you know, my clients who's, Kids are grown up or perhaps they're even grandparents now, and they used to host Christmas or Hanukkah, but now the next generation is. You're not hosting the parties in the same way that you used to, and that's okay. So let that stuff go. I actually got a, a package the other day from my mother that was all the Christmas ornaments. She's like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. They're all yours. <laughs> so it's being aware of where you are in your life. But, it, but it's also funny. You see a lot of times older people – and we've read all kinds of statistics about how older people get increasingly lonely. And I feel like a lot of these things that you're talking about may be a way to try to remind yourself of these relationships that maybe you should be trying to work on instead of collecting stuff. Absolutely. And that's, you know, one of the great things that I'm seeing with my clients who are downsizing from big houses where they have all the stuff is that they're moving into communities where it's easier to have the personal relationships. I just moved a woman out of a house that she'd been in since 1960, big giant house, all full of the stuff. She never opened the drapes. She was really lonely, but thought she was finding comfort in her home, moved her into a big community. The first night she was there, her son sent me a photo. She hosted a cocktail party. She hadn't had a cocktail party in her house house in 15 years. She had neighbors over. They made martinis. She was participating in life. So sometimes thinking that that stuff, it gives you a sort of sense of comfort and it actually keeps you from participating. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because you feel like you're participating. You feel like you're okay if I got the stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's it's reminding you that your best days are behind you as opposed to my life is changing. How can I make this my best days? 
you uh, you call it the bridge on each one of these clutter blocks. The bridge for the first one that we've been talking about, uh, you say, is hanging on to this item in alignment with your vision for your life right now. Allow yourself to acknowledge and experience any feelings of loss that come up. It's important to remember that the stuff can't actually keep the past alive. Exactly what you're talking about now. Then give yourself permission to hold on to one box of the items that represent that time place or age for you care for it properly meaning don't put it in the basement if it's damp don't put it in the attic if you've mice make sure this is something future generations can look through and immediately understand the story you were trying to tell boy so people have a little bit that they pass on that really the collection and then you're starting to think about greatest hits instead of keeping everything Exactly. Exactly. That's such a great way to put it. Your greatest hits, your things that amuse you, your things that like spark that, you know, that you can think about. But if you're so burdened by it, you're not even honoring your own memories. You're just actually like feeling the weight of all the stuff that you've made yourself responsible for. We're not going to declutter every person's house right now, Tracy. Uh, but, but I wanted to ask you just a couple questions about where to start. What do I do? I walk through my rooms and kind of look at the emotions around each room. What do I do? Yeah. So here's here's a couple great starting places. As you're going through your daily life, I want you to look at where you feel like where you feel the traffic jam, right? Where do you like this just room isn't working? I can't, I can't cook dinner really easily. I gotta spend all this time clearing off the counter or or I'm not getting dressed in the morning without a bunch of stress because I can't find my clothes in my closet, right? Look where the the clogs, the blocks are, where things aren't going smoothly and identify those areas. And then think about what's your vision? How do you want the room to be? How do you know, do you want to cook a healthy meal? Do you want to be able to eat at your dining room table? But right now it's so covered with stuff. So really think about a vision for it. And then that's going to kind of tell you where you want to tackle first. And if this is hard for you, if this is difficult, don't start with the most emotionally loaded stuff. Don't start with the baseball card collection or the photos. Start with something that you're a little less attached to and be successful. See what it feels like to let go and create space. And then you'll be ready to tackle the bigger, more more loaded things. I love this idea of working your way up and getting some wins. Let's say that we got those wins. We declutter our house. The biggest question I'm sure everybody has is then what systems do I need to put in place to make sure it doesn't just come back again later? Exactly. It's really about getting honest about your buying. Do you need to maybe schedule with the family or by yourself a weekly or a monthly decluttering where you go like, okay, things are getting a little out of control. Here are some litmus tests for me. I always tell people, if it takes you more than 20 minutes to put to neaten up a room, that's a sign that your stuff is getting the best of you. So there are a few things that you can go, all right. It's just like when you have to go to the next hole in your belt, when you've been eating a little too much, that you need to rein that in. It's the same thing with clutter. If you can't put your clothes away in 20 minutes and neaten up your bedroom, something's out of whack. I don't know anything about that belt loop thing. I have no idea (laughs) what the heck you're talking about there. The book is Making Space Clutter-Free. And by the way, not only is it just from beginning to end, all the ways to get in touch really with emotions around your stuff and then make your your house kind of suit your vision, uh, your possessions suit your vision, but also it's, and I, I wrote you this as we were scheduling, Tracy, this is one of the most pretty books like that I've that I've seen like like the people responsible for putting just the physical copy of this together this is really cool thank you i love it i think it's beautiful and here was one of the visions behind it people we all feel so much shame around our clutter that i wanted to make the book so pretty that people wouldn't be embarrassed to have it out you know that it wasn't this like you're a clutterer and you're a failing it was like here's something that's an object that you will not feel embarrassed so that was a big impetus but i think it's so pretty too i love it i want to end with this which is you know there's people listening here that have houses full of stuff kind of what you're talking about with your dad, you know, what's the one message that you'd like to say to those people? You're not the only one. 
there is solutions and help out there. And it's something that you can do for yourself. It's going to take a little bit of work. It's going to take a lot of honesty, but there is a way to turn this around. And I believe in them and I'm standing with them and I'm cheering them on. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and check out how organized I've gotten. While Joe and OG are about as neat as a Walmart $5 DVD bin, I have all my jokes on note cards categorized by color, theme, and snork level. Here's a level five for you. Check this out. Have you heard about the movie about constipation? No? That's because it hasn't come out yet. <laughs> See there? Ah, yeah, I know. It's amazing. You're welcome. Well, something else great is my holiday calendar that tells me that this device called the Rosetta Stone was found today in 1799. This stone was the key to deciphering which ancient language. I'll be back with the answer. And no, it wasn't pig Latin in just a moment. Honing your skills, OG, that's what it's all about. Because you're either growing or you're dying. And certainly, we don't want to be dying, do we? Get busy living, get busy dying. One or the other. What's that from? I, I have no idea. It's a movie. I thought you made it up right now. No. No. Skillshare is the place where we go here in the basement when we're trying to learn new skills. What I love about it is that we can either work on skills that are just in time, like some of our marketing stuff of the show, trying to introduce new people to the show or better designs for the projects that we're working on or developing new skills. We know we're going to need in the future, not great at uh, managing our website, understanding how websites work. It's all there at Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators with more than 27,000 classes in design, business, financial planning, and more You'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity in your career. Take classes in social media marketing, photography, creative writing, illustration, managing a budget, setting up a spending plan, understanding investments, whatever it might be, it's at Skillshare. So whether you want to discover a new passion, start your side hustle, gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. What I like best myself about Skillshare is that instead of Paying for an individual class, you pay one set monthly fee, all you can eat, baby. All you can learn. Yes. And uh, binging Skillshare classes sounds like fun. However, I don't recommend it. Take a class, use it as you go, then take the next class. I found that to be much more, much more successful, especially for some of the design classes that I've taken. In that photography class I took, like going out and using it halfway through, instead of just going class, 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 use it right away and you're much more likely to, uh, and, and by the way, they tell you that in the class, stop, go use this, come back. Practical application. Yes. So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare. You'll get two months of Skillshare for free. I think you'll get one month if you go through the front door, but two months with us, Skillshare is offering stackers two months of unlimited access to over 27,000 classes for free at Skillshare.com forward slash SB. That's two months. Skillshare for free. Skillshare.com slash SB. Hey there, trivia fans, and welcome back. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, with the Tracy McCubbin-approved and expertly structured answer to today's trivia question, which was this. Before the break, I asked you about the Rosetta Stone. Found in 1799, the stone proved essential in deciphering what ancient language? The answer? Huh. Right here under the... Oh, that's an Oreo box. Where the hell did that go? Oh, yeah, back pocket, back pocket. It's all part of the system. Unfold it. Come on, Doug. Huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is, yeah. Which language was it? And your answer? With three different versions of one single decree issued in 196 B.C., including ancient Greek, the Rosetta Stone was used to finally crack those darned Egyptian hieroglyphics. Well, that is the correct answer, I can dispel the myth that the decree said anything about everyone working down on the Nile River Valley to get in on this great pyramid scheme the Pharaoh had going on. Total fake news. See ya. Big thanks to Tracy McCubbin 
for coming down to the basement. This idea of decluttering OG, it's very hard to work when you've got clutter all over the place. Tell me about it. I mean, they're triggers, right? I mean, you look around you and you're like, oh, I got to do that thing. Oh, I got to do that thing. Oh, I got to do that thing. Like focus becomes very hard. I actually just uh, went through an office kind of remodel, if you will. And I took out almost all the flat space in my office because I was noticing that anything that was a table, I had a really big desk in my office, much bigger than I needed it to be. It just accumulated stuff. It was just a place to put stuff. By taking out all of the flat space, I didn't have a place to put the stuff anymore. So I had to do something with it when it was there. I couldn't just go, I'll deal with that later. Yeah. Because, boy, it's like the dishes or something. If you don't do the dishes every day, just all of a sudden you go, well, I just have to throw the house away because it's too many dishes to do. <laughs> but, I, but I like this thing she talks about also that we buy all these things that supposedly to make us happy. And then we bring them home and they sit on a shelf where they make you sad <laughs> because you have too much stuff. Too much stuff. And, and when you went to buy it, it was all about, right? I mean, it, look at marketing. Hey, if you just get all this extra stuff, you're going to feel much, much more happy. Well, we all have tons of stuff now. Why don't we feel incredibly happy? I also love her point about how nobody, nobody sews anymore. Like, I got, Nobody sews anymore. Yeah. Do you remember your mom sewing up your stuff? But heck, if you can go down to Target and buy a new one for six bucks, why would you, why would you fix the thing you have? Huh. I saw somebody talking about this, about a TV the other day online. They were showing their TV picture and they said, well, should I take it to get it fixed? Like, are you kidding me? Fixing that TV versus getting a new one? The cost of having that TV fixed versus going to get the new thing. Yeah. I mean, we're in this disposable. It's so easy to just throw it away. Well, and stuff piles. Up. I was going to say it would be easy if if you threw it away. If, but the problem is, it's like I want new dishes, and I'll fix the old one, and I can't get rid of these because these are also nice. So now I have twice as much stuff. You know. Well, and I know you have hoarders in your family. It's amazing. It is. It's. It's scary. It's. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is very scary. One of my favorite movies was this film. Hello, my name is Doris. And she's this, but, but all this stuff has memories attached to it. Yeah. And so because of that, they can't, oh, I'm going to fix that later. Oh, I'm going to, oh, this was given to me by X person. It's, it's so sad. Thanks again, Tracy. I I think it's such a great message. Hey, let's throw out the Avon Lifeline OG and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends, Avon Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. This morning, definitely coffee and maybe a protein bar. Mm. I can go without the protein bar. Coffee sounds good. Got to have some energy. It's it's actually your loved ones in your time. And uh, OG, I will say, is much better with his loved ones if he's had his coffee ahead of time. Then he's way nice. And if I get my sleep. Nice of them. It's It's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now for a free quote. I absolutely love. You see, they just added to the Haven Life Plus. People that sign up for Haven Life get benefits, get a bunch of other benefits along with it. It's like friends with benefits, only life insurance. Life with insurance with benefits. Call call up the people at Will and Trust at nine o'clock at night. Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> Gonna make my will call. So anyway, uh, I've been drinking and, uh, I was just thinking maybe, uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but a big benefit of doing this show is that we get to talk to people like Mike. Say hi, Mike. Hey, Joe and OG. My question to you is about 529 plans. My parents are going to contribute to my son's 529. And I was wondering if you could earn money from the interest into another account. Just kind of curious. All right. Thanks. Bye. How about that? Money from the interest on a 529. So 529 makes money. Can you transfer that to a different account? Well, I'd ask more questions as to why you could transfer to a different 529 if you wanted. But if you're like, hey, since my parents aren't giving me any money and they're going to give it to my stupid kid, I'm going to take all the earnings. Uh, 
That's really the thing, because that's immediately what I thought. <laughs> Is it Mike? Our brand new friend, Mike, you're saying he's a little greedy. No, I'm just saying that maybe he's angry that his parents are giving money to his kid and not him. <laughs> he's like, I'll show you. Your, your principles can stay stagnant. Uh, so that's, you know, you can't do that. I mean, well, first of all, it's depends on who the account owner is, right? We'll control whoever gets to make distributions and that sort of thing. And if you take the money out for any purpose other than school costs, and there's some flavor around that. But that does bring up one question. Can you transfer money from one 529 to another 529, like an IRA rollover? Yes, absolutely. Okay. No, no penalties there. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So if you don't like one, you can move it to another. Now, some 529s might have back-end fees. Mm, some. So you got to watch out for those. If your parents chose a 529 plan that has some ugly fees to take money out of, you might want to watch out for that. The investments might have those. Uh, yeah. I can't figure out why you do that either. Like, why would you take- Other the, than the reason I suggested. Yes. Other than to line his own pockets. Which I'm sure that's not it, but it might be. Or maybe it's just, you know, hey, there's too much money in the 529. Like mom and dad are throwing in, you know, 30 grand a year and he doesn't need all this. So we could use the income for other things. Um, Now, the good news about 529 money too, Mike, is that uh, you can also use that for other beneficiaries that are in the family. So if if child doesn't use it, depending on who the owner is, the owner may be able to change the beneficiary to be somebody else in the family. Yeah. So check that out. Thanks for the question, Mike. You got a question for the show? Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. That leads you to the Haven Lifeline and uh, and then onto the show. And then onto some cool swag. I know. You got the fight night shirt. I, I, I have to say, and it's embarrassing with Tracy McCubbin here today. I don't know where my fight night shirt is. I have no idea where it is. I was looking I'm for it the it. other day. And oh. I see you, you borrowed it. You went into my closet, borrowed my clothes. Just helping you clean up. Yeah. Nice job. Uh, speaking of helping, if you need some cleanup with your finances, how about that? Huh? It's probably the best one ever, actually. OG and his team taking on new clients, uh, for you to talk to his team about what it would take to get them into your corner, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG. Also, thanks to people who have left a review of this year podcast tells the world exactly how this show is slightly different than other financial shows that they may have heard of in the past. Mom's got this one on the refrigerator today. Here's five stars from Chris Hockey. Chris writes, this is the only podcast I wish there were daily episodes of. Oh, man. We tried that. I, yeah, that, that that went nowhere, Chris. That is way tough. Tried to do that, too, with the my Money with Friends podcast and couldn't do that either. I began listening two months ago. It's completely changed my mindset of how an early investor like myself should be setting goals. While the Jim Cramers of the world boast about hot takes on how to gamble, Joe and the other guy give realistic and relatable advice on how to set myself up for success. No longer afraid to ask my advisor dumb questions. And I'm even getting great tips on how to thoughtfully bring up savings topics to my wife. The other three listeners of this show may joke about never learning anything, but my growing fat stacks prove otherwise. Thanks. Thanks to you, Chris, for the review. That's, uh, that's, that's awesome. I'm so proud and showing the bridge club when they come over later today. All right. That's going to do it for us. Doug, it's all on you now, man. What should we have learned today? Sure thing, Joe. Hey, first, take some advice from Tracy McCubbin. While it's nice to declutter to make your house pretty, a better and more permanent solution is to focus on the emotions around your stuff. You'll find that the clutter may take care of itself once you work through those feelings. Second, Social Security? While it isn't right for everyone to take it later, if you can, you're often able to maximize your benefit much more by waiting. But the big lesson... Don't crack jokes about Egyptian pharaohs. They'll just go run into mummy. Mummy! Pharaohs! Oh, God. Come on, people. Now that's funny. Special thanks to Tracy McCubbin. You can find more from Tracy at her site, tracymccubbin.com, or through our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at 
S. Benjamin's Cast, or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just noticed it's just as dark and damp down here as Joe's soul. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. This headline has nothing to do with money, but I absolutely love it. Listen to this. This is from the Los Angeles Times, written by Jen Harris. Have you seen this new pop-up hotel that sold out in minutes? I think I know what you're talking about. The Taco Bell Hotel. Sounds like the El Royale. Reservations for the Taco Bell Hotel in Palm Springs sold out faster than Coachella. A representative for the Irvine-based fast food chain said it took two minutes to book all the rooms at its four-day takeover of the V Palm Springs Hotel this August. Everything from check-in to the pool floaties is being given the Taco Bell treatment. It'll be the only place other than your apartment where you can get crunch wraps in bed. This does not sound like an enjoyable vacation to me. No. Fourth meal has never been easier. It's terrible. Like what? I don't even get it. I wonder if like, I just, uh, how did it get past like the executives? <laughs> oh, here's an idea. Call me crazy. So you know how we got that nacho cheese thing and everybody likes it and it's good. Okay. So here's what we should do. Let's make a hotel. I like the fact that it's not actually a real hotel. It's a fake hotel. I mean, it's a real hotel, but it's not really them. Much like if you get a taco from Taco Bell, that beef on the taco isn't it's like seagull real beef yeah have you experienced like profoundly awesome service at taco bell that makes you feel like staying at a hotel with that level of <laughs> service was, would just be like it's run by 16 year olds like that's going to be somehow the ones that won't look you in the eye of course when i'm at taco bell i'm not looking them in the eye either because i'm so full of shame I'll have a... Uh, okay, give me a number one. Please, okay. please, please don't look at me. Ten pack of soft tacos. Anything else? Yes. Some nachos. No judgment. Dr. Pepper. How many plates and forks do you need, sir? No, no. I'll just eat them out of the box. <laughs> How many settings? None. Just, just me. I used to be able to put down ten soft tacos. Just like a conveyor belt. Like that Homer Simpson with the with the uh, donuts in hell. Did they have, where you grew up, did they have the that uh, fast food chain that was a flash for just a few years hot now? God, yes. Ten cent hamburgers, everybody. I thought they were more than that. Well, that might be our age difference. But they were, but but, but when they first started. But they were like 39 or something. Yeah, it was really inexpensive. Yeah, they were nothing. You I, could spend two bucks and get six meals. Yes. And I remember, I remember a friend of mine and I getting those and taking them back to my house and mom just staring at me going, you know, you're not gonna be able to do that forever. I'm like, whatever. Just putting down like two double cheeseburgers, two large fries and a Mountain Dew. Yeah. For like $2 and 50 cents. Yeah. Out the door. That included tax. It was, it was the most amazing. And you waited thing. in line for about eight seconds. Yeah. Just handing them out. Yeah. It was so fast. Yeah, the menu was super simple. It was it was well hot and now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was hot. Yeah, it was Can't hot. figure out why it, seriously, they did so much volume. How do you go out of business? How did how did they fold I'm up? Not sure. They might not have folded up. 
They might just said we made enough money. <laughs> we we're fine now. We're five burgers. <laughs> five burgers. They were they, they were they were fire hamburger bloggers. But this old Taco Bell cool. gives a gives a whole new definition of fire. It does. Run for the border. Yeah, it's uh the cool thing though, you, you get that craving at two thirty in the morning. You wake up, all you gotta do is go down to the bar area and get Again, your son. It's run by sixteen year olds. Do they do they make up names for the rooms too? Make up names for the items on the menu like they do at Taco Bell? Like is there any is there any Mexican person that had ever heard of a gordita? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a word. Gordita's a real thing. Yeah, it's a descriptor. It is. <laughs> I just the the Taco Bell names. We should come up with like financial names. Savasaurus. I don't know. No. No, maybe not. Taco Bell Hotel. So when's your reservation? Yeah, I'd leave uh, next week. No. <laughs> well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month, that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life, and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.